BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms, 21 plus only. Virginia only, new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Anne Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Only in theaters this Friday. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes Film.com to get tickets now. It's Thursday again. Tell everybody to lock in, grab some popcorn, a drink, and go and throw your AirPods in. It's a one hour show, constantly speaking facts. Bulletproof stats are always shooting from Matt. And when it comes to Kyle, you getting numbers and style. Jake is gonna educate you, he has that knowledge on fire. Player, step your game up, don't be sluggish or lazy. Or Jimmy J might hit you with a shaky baby. Catch him on YouTube or any podcast platform. Breaking all the news down like Shaq does the backboards. No hot takes, this is where the hottest debate's at. Now kick your feet up, cause it's time for straight facts. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another edition of Straight Facts. I'm Jake Galley, alongside our guy, Stat Matt Robinson. No James Jackson tonight. Uh, he is doing something with Villanova. What was it? A uh, game, potentially, with one of their basketball teams. So we miss him dearly. But as always, we are presented by Up On Game, the Up On Game Network, uh, LeVar Arrington, Plaxico Burris, uh, TJ out all those guys do an amazing job with the Up On Game Network, so check them out wherever you find podcasts. But on today's episode, Matt, we have a lot to get to. Um, you know, of course, and maybe we'll eventually touch on it, all the MLB stuff that went down, some craziness going on, some crazy false reporting as well with some of the league's biggest stars. But, you know, one thing uh, around this time of year, every year, is when... In the NBA, teams begin to emerge, and because of the football season and because of all the baseball news, um, I think that it gets lost in the shuffle a little bit when really these are the days that I think you're going to tell your story and, and start to begin to build your story of who you are as a team for the year. So we came up with a segment that I think is my magnum opus. This is my maybe my best work as a copywriter. Hoopers or dupers? We are going to look into teams, and it's basically just contenders, pretenders, people who um, are middle of the pack, who we're going to de- determine if they are going to continue being middle of the pack, drop down, rise up, anything in between. But Matt, before we get into that, how have you been, man? What's been going on? I've been doing pretty good. Work's been busy. Phone time. Um, phone's this kind of year. Holiday time it's busy, which means I make a little more money. Um, so it's been going good. Uh, and the Eagles success has shielded me from 
the pain that the Sixers have caused me. And I'm sure, <laughs> like, it, it's not been a fun time to be a Sixers fan, but the Eagles are help, they're helping me forget. <laughs> yeah, it's honestly, like, you could really throw a dart at any year if I've lined up all the years going back to, like, I don't know, 80s, 70s. Throw a dart on a year probably wasn't the most fun of a time to be a Sixers fan. I feel like there have been some really just, even when they're good, there's just painful times. But um, glad to hear that the phone sales are going well. And I, I know I mean, this is probably going to be the craziest time of year for you. So glad that we can have an outlet here for you to talk some hoops. And you mentioned the Sixers, and we'll start with them 12 and 12, um, and the seventh seed currently in the East. And just to give you a little context into why we're talking about this, I saw an article, and I'm not sure if you caught this, uh, by Howard Beck about on NBA parody and how this year there's more parody than there's ever been. Uh, and they get, you know, the NBA executive vice president of basketball strategy and analytics saying exactly that, that, you know, we're, we're basically at an all time high. Um, and the stats that I came to were in the East seeds four through 10 are separated by two games in the West seeds two through 10 are separated by three games. And we're about 30-ish, 31% through the year. So with all of that being said, the Sixers sit at 500. What do you make of A, why that is, and B, where do you think they're going? They are 500. The number one reason is injuries. Well, Embiid missed a spell. Harden missed a spell. Just came back. He's only played one game since he came back, and Maxi got hurt. So it's it, they haven't really been their full team, and the potential is still. That's the worst part about the Sixers, from a heartbreak standpoint, is that the potential of them being very, very good is so easy to see, and they just don't play to it. And I'm, 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 I've become just a full anti-Doc guy. Uh, Kyle Newbeck did an article about how miserable this team is um, and talked about how, like, Doc Rivers talked to reporters and about how they were working on Zen in practice. And then they interviewed some players who didn't say their names and said, we haven't worked on Zen in, like, a month. <laughs> so Doc's like, it sounds like Doc's just saying some of the shield criticism. And this, like, it's still, there's, as long as you tread water, you can come on strong when it matters around February to do a playoff push, but nothing that I've seen from the Sixers in the post Atlanta series um, era is that they can come on strong and be dominant for a stretch of time. They can just kind of win games because they have talent. So I, I'm pessimistic as long as Doc's the coach. I, and, you know, I don't want to go all the way there because, again, while I agree with a lot of the points made about Doc, like you, his criticism on him is very valid, in my opinion. At the same time, I'm not sure if the criticism would be quite as loud if he had Embiid, Harden, and Maxie. And, you know, it's probably not realistic to ask that group to be healthy 100%, 90%. But that those that trio, when you look at potential games they could have played, has only played 56% of the games that they could have possibly played. So, like, again, you have that trio for a higher percentage, you probably are not 500. Um, but they've been very up and down because of it. You know, three stretches in which they won three games in a row. Uh, and they also have two stretches, which they've lost three in a row. So they they've... They've had a little bit of both sides. And, you know, when you break down the actual hoops, they are 27th in scoring offense, but they're the second best points per game defense. I think they're also 27th in pace. Um, so there, it's just, it comes down to, can Doc get more out of the group of bench players? Because we know what we're getting from really the top four players on the team. Toby as well as the other three we've been talking about, are generally going to give you what you expect over a you know, 10, 20, 30 season-long sample size. Um, now, where, 
where my criticism comes in is he, I don't believe he'll be able to get the most out of guys like Shake Milton, the Anthony Melton, uh, Georges Niang. Like those guys, when they aren't in starting roles, I don't know if they can continue to provide volume and valuable minutes, especially when yeah, it comes to the players. thing. Georges Niang is a regular season player. I think we learned that last year. He's a guy, he's a really nice player to have for an 82 game slate. But in the playoffs, he gets picked on defensively and. He's only really had one real playoff run with a lot of minutes in his last year, and he shot really poorly. And he's missed, like, the inverse P.J. Tucker. P.J. Tucker's going to be horrible from an offensive standpoint this year, from just a numbers count. Like, he's not going to shoot at all unless he has to. He's But in the playoffs, what he's shown is that he'll have scrappy games and he'll have, like, a 15-point playoff game when it matters. So, like, it's it's not the player performances that really worry me is that they don't seem to play an offense at all. They just kind of go. And it's bizarre because, like, Doc actually tries to coach when they don't have, like, any players. Like, when they were without everyone except Toby. Like, they actually had some, like, pretty impressive performances as, like, team. They played, like, nice basketball. Furkan Korkmaz was doing plays against the Magic that looked like Steph Curry. And it's, but like, it's almost like Doc, like, he just trusts vets way too much when you need someone that will actually coach them. And it's very reminiscent of like the Iverson, um, Mellow Nuggets teams where they both, Iverson and Mellow put up really good counting stats, but they didn't mesh well together. And what they did is they shipped Iverson for Chauncey Billups and they became a contender and made the Western Conference Finals. And I'm not saying the state team needs a trade. I think because I think it's more a coaching thing because I think the players fit together well, but they're just not playing offense of any sort. Yeah. And, you know, and by the way, if we had to call them something, they're dupers. I think they're duping everyone. No, they're they're going, going to be a competitive team when in reality, the same cracks, the same flaws that have persisted with their team in the playoffs will continue um i I would love to find out if and we eventually will if they decide to hey you know we can't get the most out of our best three players when they're all on the floor together we got to make a move and change something up will that happen before doc gets fired i would hope not and i would say probably not but I wouldn't put it past them. And that would, that, honestly, for me as a Sixers fan, that gives me a gauge on the desperation of the franchise. Um, because if you are desperate, you do not fire Doc in the middle of the year. And you're going to be looking to make rash decisions, which I don't think Daryl Morey does often. But um, yeah, I mean, it's just scary times for Philly. Do you fire Kevin McHale early in the season? Um the year after they made a Western right. Conference Finals. True. Uh, they actually, but that's also like the year they won 500. And then after that, they got to Antony and became a threat in the West again. Yeah, well, it's, we just, mi- it's just, it's miserable. I'm watching that game against Houston was just like miserable. Like you see these individual, like Tobias makes like every three he shoots and Bede puts up 39. And it's it's just like they're playing in all like in a it's like why when the US loses in international play, it's because they never play together and they win because they have talent. Yeah. And the other teams have like this chemistry and bonding because they play together all the time. And it's very it's it's very reminiscent of like a bad USA basketball team. Yeah, so we've got the Sixers locked in then as our first duper. Uh and We'll move on here. We got a couple other teams that we're going to go through. And I can confidently tell you these next two that we're going to hit caused an audible gasp, not once, but twice when I saw where they were in the standings, which again speaks to the parody um, that we're seeing this year, both in like the teams that are being offered up and up, up at the top. And also record wise, everyone's pretty well bunched together. So the Sacramento Kings are 13 and 9 and currently sit fourth in the Western Conference after going 0 for 4, starting the season 0 for 4, 
Then they get it up to three and six and then tore off a seven game winning streak to get them above 500. So they're playing really good basketball and it's all happening under Mike Brown. Um, Go figure the guy who just spent the last six years coaching up the Golden State Warriors, probably the best backcourt of all time, is now having a huge impact on a young core in Sacramento. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up, picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all, but here's a preview of this week's episode. Nothing to do with anyone personally, but Creighton is the team every year that the nerds, you know, the basketball nerds, are like, you don't watch Creighton. They play, and I'm like, I don't want to watch Creighton because I agree with Shannon, the dude today. Creighton's never going to win anything. Stop talking to me about Creighton. They're not never the, going to the, not the Big East tournament. Well, I mean, they could maybe they win the Big East tournament, but it'll only be luck. But like, they're always like, you know, a sleeper team that cool. Like that guy who I told you had eight title teams. One of his title teams was Creighton. Is not winning the national championship. It's yeah, I don't not, have him doing that. That like that's why do we all have to act like Creighton is a, is a is a good team. Creighton's like the band they all say you should know if you really knew bands. <laughs> and then they're never at any of those. And then they're never, yeah, exactly. And it comes time for the Grammys, and they lose out to, like, you know, Lil Durk. And you're like, see, I knew Lil Durk was better. Why are you, t- why are you telling me? See the whole time. <laughs> and this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Ann Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Only in theaters this Friday. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes film.com to get tickets now. This one is a really big question mark for me in the sense of are they a hooper or are they a duper? Because what do you consider a hooper? Like, are we going with expectations of the Kings in general? Yes. Yes. Okay. Then they're hoopers. This team screams of like post, like the Victor Oladipo era of the Pacers. Where like they they like a fun good regular season team, but were never a threat in the playoffs, which would be like the greatest thing to ever happen to the Sacramento Kings <laughs> since they haven't made the playoffs since two thousand six. They've got players and they're fun and they have a new coach, and Mike Brown's like this is a, I think Mike Brown kind of likes this job because all his previous coaching jobs have come with this incredible pressure of coaching either LeBron or Kobe. Oh, and like the Kobe was like the Dwight Howard Kobe teams, I think too, um, and like Steve Nash, and he's just a if he makes the playoffs there, he's beloved in Sacramento. They've got nothing sports wise in Sacramento other than the Kings. It's been miserable basketball, miserable failures, and they actually have something to cheer for this year. It is kind of kings ask that the one year they don't stink is the is like a year that they could draft victor one by but um they're not trying they they want to make the playoffs and i think this team is going to finish in a playoff berth outside of the um play in tournament i think they're like a five six seed oh wow so that's pretty strong so then you would expect them to continue this play yeah um and it is a really good point that the most Kings thing they could possibly do is not lose the entire season. 
It is get the eighth seed uh, or something like that in the one season that you actually should tank and could get like a generational talent. You don't do that. You're the eighth seed. And then that guy tortures you for the rest of like his career. I, I don't know. I mean, whatever. Obviously, they want to win. I'm not saying that they should try and lose over trying to win when they're the fourth seed. But I want to take it back to Mike Brown because it's a really good point. I think that he gets a really bad rap for the way that things happen, both in Cleveland and in L.A. I mean, he didn't even last a full 82 games in L.A. He lasted, you know, a full season. I think he um, came in maybe partially. He had, uh, I was the, um, they had the lockout, so it was a 66 game. Gotcha, right. So he didn't play a full, or didn't coach a full 82 games. That's right. Um, And now he comes in with really zero expectation. Like, like none, like if you're bad, like you're probably going to be here for three, four years, like <laughs> even if you are bad. So I want to look at, uh, I wrote down some stats on the good, specifically the guards, because again, he's coming from coaching up Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Jordan Poole, and the like over at Golden State. And there's been an immediate impact, especially on De'Aaron Fox's game. Uh, he's seeing a career high field goal percentage of 51.6%. Um, while also attempting the second least field goal attempts per game in his career, 16.6. And it's not just him. The other guards also uh, share similar statistics. Malik Monk, career high in field goal percentage and points per game. Kevin Herter, career high in field goal percentage, three-point percentage points per game. Um, Sabonis, while he's not a guard, because of all of this, is, is shooting a higher percentage. So, like... You, you dig a little deeper into the team statistics. Uh, the team is second in points per game. They are second in assists. They share the ball, which is why they're so efficient also. And they're fourth in field goal percentage. So, like, I know it's early. It is early, even though we've been through 30%. Um, but, like, right now they're above teams like the Nuggets, I believe. Uh, they're above teams like the Clippers. And so... I. I can't go. They're hoop. Look, Mavericks. Mavericks. They're some hoopers. They are hoopers. I like great. I am happy for Sacramento. Warriors. <laughs> Warriors. There's a lot that of teams that are going to, that are going to be knocking on their door to, to climb up the seating ladder. So I think they're hoopers. I think they here is what I'll say is I think they'll end their, end the playoff drop. They will get in um, to the real playoffs, not just the play. Even if they're in the playing tournament, uh, I would say they're a team that you could expect to be. One of the better teams, again, even after you slot them below those teams we just mentioned. Mm-hmm. So um, this one, this one is, is this was the big gasp. This was like, no, it can't be gasp. The New Orleans Pelicans are 15 and eight. And the they're second hoopers. I'm just going to go right now. The they're West. hoopers. They're contenders. They was, as long as Zion can stay upright. Like they're they're using him sparingly. His usage is down too, um, compared to uh, just if you look at his stats, like his rookie year or second year, I should say, um, compared to now, like everything's down, um, and it's good that everything's down because he can't be the to like the totem bear of the offense in the regular season. He's something. And he's still having like a really good offensive year at 23.6 on 59% from the field. But like he's something you can't unleash into the playoffs just because of his body. But they're they're an incredibly well built basketball team with McCollum and Ingram and Zion. They're 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 absolutely hoopers. They're I I would I think they are a contender. In the same way the Grizzlies are. Wow. Wow. That's I look, I am and we and we actually talked about this in the sense that they are set up to be one of the next big teams. Remember all the way back when we were looking at potential trade destinations, like let's not forget they built this team and they they have spent a few of the AD assets. They still have them though. They still have they still trust me. And the Lakers, who are by the way, the third, I believe third or fourth lowest seed in the conference. They have their picks for the foreseeable future. So they could even again turn those. If they think they do have a shot, as you said, and an NBA veteran shakes free or wants, wants to get loose and be traded, they're a team. I, you know what? And I agree with you. They're hoopers. Of course, they have Jonas Valanciunas on the team. 
I'm not going to say they're not hoopers, uh, but they are a team that, and, and you know what, I, I, I hesitate because Memphis has been there. So while it could happen, I still have them for, for reasons of, of, you know, I guess confirmation bias. We've seen it happen. I still have them lower. What I'll say is they could very, very easily, like with the Sixers trade Tobias Harris for one of those picks, I don't know if they could do it because the salary probably wouldn't match. But like theoretically, I think the Sixers would meet, like would of course yeah. do it. So like now you've just added for basically nothing Tobias or uh, to, I think there are a lot of players who maybe aren't as good as Tobias Harris that are going to be movable on lesser contracts who contribute almost just as much. Um, yeah, man, I they're they're one that I really have my eye on, uh, and the specifically. They're role players because I looked into it. Ingram and Williamson, shockingly, missing some games. Those two, never, never. Missing a combined 13 games so far. So the role players, specifically JV, Trey Murphy, the third, Devontae Graham, and Jose Alvarado. Those four. 2022, the year of Jose Alvarado in two different sports. An innocuous. (laughs) That's right. That is correct. That's a nice flag there, Matt. Uh. But that innocuous bunch we just named is shooting 41% this year from three. And that's not on like some small grouping of attempts. That is 51% of the team's three-point attempts, over half. And they're knocking them down at 41%. So if you can get your stars to come back, be healthy, integrate into the team, and they're still doing that, I agree. There's almost nothing that stops them um, from going... And making it de- or being j- right up there with Memphis and those type teams to make a run. Um, so we'll move here to the final team then. And this one made my skin crawl a little bit. I it, it, and again, you know, it's bu- it's bunched up. We can't be too upset. But the Indiana Pacers are the fifth seed in the Eastern Conference, thirteen and eleven. What do you make of that team in the Midwest? Middle of the country. They're not I can't deal with the fact that a team whose two best players are Benedict Metherin and Tyrese Halliburton. Just names alone. I actually really like Halliburton as a player, but names alone, those are your two best players. And uh, you're better and uh, you're better anyway. They're they're a they're a scrappy team. They're they're not as good as a record. They're they have a negative point differential. Um Recently, they've been getting blown out a lot before beating Golden State inexplicably. <laughs> but, like, you look at the recent games, they lost to the Clippers by 14, uh, barely beat a bad Lakers team, got blown out by the Kings, got blown out by Utah, got blown out by Portland. So I, I think they're, like, a 35-36 win team in the end. They're a team with, like, some fun young players who plays, like, Basketball that Pacers fans will like because Pacers fans hate tanking. Um, historically, I I think they've never had a top eight pick in their history. Um, and they're 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 like a decent team that'll be like, how do they be? But they're not going to end up in a playoff spot. They're dupers. I would agree on the duper eval, but. I got to take my hat off to this. Whoever is doing their talent evaluation and like draft research has been like Barry Bonds mashing on the ball. Um, So they have Matherin, as you mentioned, he leads all rookies in total points. I think he's maybe third in points per game, but he's also coming off the bench. Um, and then also, like, that's just, then that's not all this well, year. This year was the first time they had a top six pick in their history. Right. Matherin. And the other I guy. Thought was, they, I thought he was ninth. So I don't know why. I'm not sure. I don't know if this is broken onto the Twitter sphere yet. I know of this player and that he's been going off because he's on my fantasy team. How about Andrew Nemhard? Averaging 26 and 10 while he's been starting over the last three games. And I don't know if you saw the clip. He literally hit like a James Harden step back that buckled Steph Curry, swishes it to hit 31 points and take. uh, Actually, I don't know if he took the lead. I think they actually ended up losing that game. But 
for a guy to be doing that and he's not a highly billed prospect, I would say that that tells me that's probably going to be a player. If you can show that flash and that potential, someone will be able to get it out of you on a somewhat consistent basis at some point in your career. So you hit on him too. How do they have some they have nine players averaging seven and a half points or more per game? Yeah. It's wild. It's it's a really weird layout. And then we haven't even talked about Duarte, Chris Duarte from last year, who also appears to be a hit for them. Um, and of course, then they make the big trade for Tyrese Halliburton, who, by the way, we talk about that three game stretch, different three games, or excuse me, uh, different stretch for Tyrese Halliburton over his last five games. He has a 10.8 assist to turnover ratio. Just to give you a little glimpse into what a league leader looks like for the entire year, Tyus Jones, actually both Jones, Tyus Jones and Trey Jones were one and two in this stat. I found that very interesting. But Tyus Jones led the NBA last year with 6.4. This is a full 4.4 assist above that. So they've got one in Halliburton too. And we haven't even mentioned Miles Turner, who's having career highs in field goal percentage, three-point percentage. Total rebounds, point per game. So, look, they might know who the oldest player on the Pacers is? Is it um, TJ McConnell? It is. Wow. Yeah, they're a young team, man. That's a a really young team right there. TJ's not that old of a guy. Is is TJ 30 yet? He he is 30. Okay, on the dot. So, again. Buddy Hill's about to turn 30. Right. And, like, this isn't a team that we really had expectations for. They're outdoing them right now. But I just think. As you said, I don't believe that these will continue to go on. Um, so maybe not getting the respect they deserve as a 13 and 11 team, but we'll use that to transition into other teams that are not getting the respect that they deserve. We're also going to transition into the gridiron when doing this. Moving over to the NFL, Matt, you brought up two specific teams that you said. We have to talk about these teams in the NFL. They are way under-respected. Their record has proven them that to them that they're a top team. Everyone should believe in them, and they don't. Those two teams are? Unfortunately, I've been saying all year, I really hate that I believe this, but the Cowboys are really good, and the Cowboys are really good, and I think they're firmly the second-best team in the NFC. And they scare me. And to all the Cowboys fans saying, we'll see you December 24th. You might win that game, but it won't matter. So that's all I got to say to that. Um, you'll win that. You're probably going to win because you're home. And, but Eagles will finish first goal anyway. But the Cowboys are a dominant team. I think what we forget as biased anti-Cowboy people is that Mike McCarthy is a different kind of coach than Jason Garrett. He doesn't collapse until the playoffs happen. Garrett collapsed at the end of the season. So what we counting on a late season collapse from Dallas from a regular season standpoint isn't really worth it. Last year they went twelve and five and they lost to San Francisco in the first round. Um there's a real chance this year they go fourteen and three and lose a wild card game to Tom Brady on the road. Um, sweet. Uh, but they're statistically they're fantastic. They've have the most sacks in the league at forty eight, and have allowed the fewest at fifteen, which is incredible considering how they've been dealing with left tackle uh the whole year. Um, uh, they're five and one since Dak returned from injury. Their one loss was because Mike McCarthy got in his head playing his old team, and they lost in overtime to Green Bay. They're number one in defensive DVOA, and their defense just destroys people. They have eight games aligned opponents to fewer than 20 points, and that's the most in the NFL. And offensively, they haven't been, like, lights out. Dak isn't having his best year, but CeeDee Lamb's having his best year. And rushing the football, they're the second-best team rushing the football behind the Eagles. And having Zeke and Pollard is just a dynamic duo. So they're up and down every nook and cranny. They're scary. And they are 
a contender to win the Super Bowl, as much as those words coming out of my mouth makes me want to throw up. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Ann Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Only in theaters this Friday. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes film.com to get tickets now. Yeah, I'm pretty confident they'll they'll do something to throw that wrench right under into their spokes. They're they're so good at doing it. And you know what? You know what it might be. It might be bringing in Odell and letting him run run amok. I mean, I I I think that's overplayed in terms of like how much of a difference he might even make, even if he is playing. Yeah, because there's all this talk about how his injury recovery is not isn't like the people don't think he's healthy. Like so, if he's not healthy, then like it's not going to make a difference. So I don't. People like the name Odell because he's incredibly. He's the most probably recognizable wide receiver in football to non-football fans. So, well, he's been making his rounds. Obviously, um, everyone has been kind of linking the two. Jerry Jones has been public in the media saying, "Well, I'm not happy that he isn't working out for us, and we don't see what he looks like." So, you know, it's a bad injury. And the second time that he's had to deal with that type injury um, that he's coming off of. So I wouldn't like I don't I don't if I am a Cowboys fan and I think we need one more piece to get over the hump. I don't think that's Odell Beckham Jr. Like, unfortunately, but I do agree with you. I think that they're a really solid team front to back. What maybe was something that they again, a wrench that they threw into their own spokes was paying Zeke and then not only paying Zeke, but using the heck out of him while he was not the best running back on the team. They're starting to get away from that as well. Um, So you mentioned the left tackle. Tyler Smith has been a potential find for them who has stepped in for Tyron Smith. Um, Yeah, I mean, as an Eagles fan, it's not a ton of fun to sit there. It's one of the best seasons in recent memory, obviously next to the Super Bowl year. And there they are right neck and neck with you. So I think when you when you look at the Dallas Cowboys, um, as you said, there's there's not really a weakness, but they definitely aren't getting the respect they deserve. And while he's not here, James was very adamant that both of us are hating on another NFC team, which maybe this is like reason they should be on the list, honestly. 
That being the Minnesota Vikings. If you lose 40 to 3 at home when you're healthy, you're not a contender. I don't care if you're 10 and 2. And the numbers back it up. They're not only the worst 10 and 2 team ever from DVOA, and it's not close. They're the second worst 9 and 3 team or better <laughs> ever. Um, they're really just, they've got, they've performed well in some fourth quarters. They're a seven and five team that's somehow 10 and two. That's exactly what they are. They're the Tennessee Titans, but they have three more wins somehow. And they're you know what... underdogs to the Lions <laughs> this weekend. I saw they're, that. They're, I'm betting, I'm betting on them though. I like, here's, here's where the, the buck stops here, Matt. You can't throw plus two and a half at the Vikings against the Lions. Come on. Come on. I'm not I I that's to me that that would be a stay away. But they're in D I think they're better than what DVOA thinks they are. DVOA has them as the twentieth best team in the in the league. I think they're probably around thirteenth, fourteenth. Like DVOA has like Atlanta and Pittsburgh and Green Bay and Detroit ahead of them, and I wouldn't go that far. But they're like a regular Minnesota Vikings team that has won a bunch of one-score games. If every single one-score game the Vikings have played this year was flipped, they'd be 1-11. Yeah, <laughs> the best stat. Uh, we don't have to, you know what, this is supposed to be about the teams that are the least respected, and you know what, the Vikings might well be up there, but... Also, uh, the Cowboys, I think, jumped up in odds because of the Jimmy G injury, because... I think the 49ers are coming out on as, as a contender. That's another really big point is that the Jimmy G injury, and I don't know how big of a Jimmy G fan any listener out there is, or really any Niners fan. Like, I guess, I'm sure there are Jimmy G stands out there. But the difference from Trey Lance to Jimmy G was negligible. The difference from Jimmy G to Brock Purdy is going to be trouble. It's going to be trouble for for at least for their receiving core. And maybe this is where you, although I know he doesn't like it, maybe you go back to Debo Samuel as a rusher. Um, but they do have McCaffrey now, which will help. I don't know. Dallas, that behind the Eagles, you're, you're, you are right. This is, this is a Ryan Lindley situation. This is a Ryan Lindley. This is a Connor Cook. He's going to be like a trivia question. Like, Did you know that Brock Purdy started a playoff game? Like it's gonna be like like Chris Sims, like a bunch like he's gonna be in like a list of like really bad quarterbacks that started a playoff game, like out of nowhere. And honestly, this is this fits right in with the disrespect segment. If they can get there with Jimmy G, you can get there with Brock Purdy. <laughs> no, 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 <laughs> come okay. on. Come on. No. Brock Jimmy G is a fine quarterback. And he's fine. He's passable. He is Kirk Cousins, but without like a choking hazard on him. Like he's less ability, but he's also a better, like much better playoff performer. So like he, Jimmy G is like Jimmy G can win a Super Bowl if everything works out. Like Joe Flacco won a Super Bowl. Nick Foles won a Super Bowl. Jimmy G almost won a Super Bowl. Um, so, like, Brock, you, any, a third-string quarterback, that's so, that's such a tough ask for well, here's, a coaching staff and a the quarterback, too. Here's how I look at it. It's like, how big is the gap between the guys who we think you need to win the Super Bowl, right? So, like, Prime, prime Rodgers, Prime Brady, Prime, you know, the, the best in the league. The gap from those guys, the Mahomes, Allen, Herbert, Jackson. Gap from them to Jimmy G. And then compare that to the gap from Jimmy G to Brock Purdy. Which do you think is bigger? Oh, the, the latter, by far. Oh, I disagree. Uh, no, I think the difference between the 15th best quarterback and the 5th best quarterback is much smaller than the 15th best to the 30th best. I think that's where we may run into issues because I don't put Jimmy G at 15. And Brock Purdy probably isn't 30 for what it's worth. Um, but I hear your sense. I get the sentiment behind it. Um, so speaking of quarterbacks, 
And this is a team that we, we kind of openly disrespected a couple, couple of times. Deservedly, though. When you're playing poorly, you need to get checked. Like, that is what a good fan, a good fan base, a good podcast will do. And that's what we did to the Cincinnati Bengals. And since then, they kind of put their foot in the ground, announced themselves as public enemy number one for Chiefs and Chiefs fans, beating them again. How have they turned it around? They became the team they were in the postseason last year. Because last year, like I've talked about preseason, that regular season-wise, the Bengals weren't really that good of a team. They were 10-7, and 17th in DVOA. And they played really well in the playoffs and almost won the Super Bowl. And they, if they continued that, they'd be a contender. And the first two games, they didn't. They lost to Mitch Trubisky and Cooper Rush to go 0-2. Which is a really rough look, but they've been eight and two since. Five of those wins are against teams over five hundred. That's Miami, Baltimore, Tennessee, the Jets, and Kansas City. Um, Joe Burrow's Joe Burrow. He's like fifth in passer rating, second in yards, second in completion percentage. Their offense is just as dynamic as it was last year when they were on all cylinders, and they're no longer historically awful at allowing Joe Burrow to get sacked. They're just bat really bad at it, which, as we kind of saw with the Phillies, we went from historically off the bullpen to a below-average bullpen, and that turned us around. And the Bengals are a better team than they were last year over a full season. And if I was a Bengals fan, I would be flipping out that Buffalo gets considered like in the super high tier when Buffalo's incredible moment is that they lost to Kansas City when the next week we beat Kansas City and came back and all that. Like, and the, the crazy thing is I still think <laughs> they're below. In my mind, I can't get out of my head. Like if, if Kansas City plays Cincinnati next week, if that happened, I'd be surprised if Cincinnati won. And it makes... And I feel so bad about it, but I, I I just can't get past this ingrained, entrenched Kansas City Buffalo, and I've got to fight with that entrenchment and realize that Cincinnati is clearly in that group, and it's really disrespectful that the AFC champs had to prove it to us. After <laughs> when, they and, it, when they proved it last year. Remember what the Chiefs did last year, too, in the sense that through the first, you know, eight games, were they 500? I think they were four and four. And Mahomes was playing poorly. And they were, they looked bad. And it was, oh, it's over. It's over. And we didn't get as much of that because the Bengals aren't as established. And I think, you know what? Like you call it disrespect, and maybe it was to a certain extent, but. Even going back to, you know, going back to the Super Bowl is a very, very difficult, even attaining, obviously, wins and losses, it's a game of inches, but even forget results, like attaining the level you did last year when that was like an all-time high for everyone involved is a very difficult thing to do. So, and I think what should scare people is that they got their mojo back without Jamar Chase. This has been largely with Tyler Boyd and and... Samaj P. Ryan, who is proving that, hey, maybe this can be a two-headed backfield again. T. Higgins has been stepping up as the lead receiver in the role. So a lot is going on here. And you look at their schedule. I would say, and of course you can't, you can't do this and expect the results to play out because it's the NFL and things happen. But Cleveland Browns at home for the Bengals is a win. Should be a win. Should be a win. Cleveland is I, a it's just weird though because they got blown out by by Cleveland in this eight right. and two stretch. Like <laughs> they have some weird games. So well, for that reason, I think they'll they'll punch back a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, Tampa Bay at Tampa Bay. They're they're tough as well. Probably should be a win. Probably. I don't know if that if you can score three touchdowns, you're going to win the game. With with the way that the Buccaneers' offenses mm-hmm. look. Yeah. New England at New England page win win. Mac Jones, Bailey Zapp, whoever you're throwing out there, Zappy, whoever. I, it's a win. I, I like again, a punchy, another tough team. And then they end the season with the Bills and the Ravens, two really tough teams. So I would say you could probably expect them to go 11 and six, 
and that will earn them the division. Um, well, it depends. Depending on the Baltimore game. Because right? Lamar's out for one to three weeks. And the fact that they still won that Denver game was wild. Well, <laughs> um, God, talk about disrespecting teams. Um, and, like, if they can weather the uh, Steelers, Browns, Falcons, that, that's favorable for no. That, that's a. If I. I'm a Ravens fan. I'm looking at that. I'm pretty pleased. That week 18 game is probably going to be like the Sunday night flex for the division. Yeah. Um, and there's a shot that's for the one seed, um, at least for Cincy, because they could they have the tiebreaker over Kansas City. They're going to play Buffalo for a tiebreaker. Um, if they win that game, the Buffalo game, then they'd have the tiebreaker over both of them. So Cincy's not out of like, the one seed running either because they're only a game back. Just crazy also, to think. They could it's, be a wild card or the one seed. It's crazy. Yeah, coming down to the end of the NFL year. It is, I say this every year, probably around this time. It's crazy how quick the NFL season goes. Like, And now there's an extra game. And <laughs> still goes quick. And, it is weird that like you think like Christmas, like, oh, there's only one game after Christmas. And like, oh, wait, there's two. But. I mean, like, they're they're doing the overseas stuff. They just yeah. it feels like there's a lot more, which is good. It feels like there's more content. They're they're reaching out to different days. And next year we're gonna get a Black Friday game, which is interesting. Day after Thanksgiving. Uh why not? There's Monopoly. rarely there's rarely Friday football too. So rarely. Um, right. Uh, unless you're in high school. Um, there's like col- they have some like college games on the Black Friday too. I think the that's Thanksgiving, but egg bowl. But, like, there's always some, like, college rivalry games on Black Friday. Hopefully some NFL action, too, yeah. next year. But that's all that we have for this segment. It's all the time that we have for the episode as well. So we will move to at the buzzer. Um, I want to really quick give a literal at the buzzer. I announced the Penn women's basketball versus Bucknell uh, game last night. It was great. Contest, 59 to 57 with about 10 seconds left. Uh, Bucknell had the ball. Uh, ball got deflected. The player runs, grabs it, has like three seconds left to get a shot up for Bucknell. And runs into like this fadeaway floater, basically, that goes in. Huge moment. And my play-by-play, Dan Fritz, great guy. Uh, if you listen to... 97.5, if you're in the Philadelphia area, you've heard his work with the uh, Gargano, Gargano show. But he flings his arms back and like makes a big reaction, right? And at that moment, everything on our board went dark. He had ripped out all of the cords that were sending us to live <laughs> from the wall as soon as the shot goes in. So, pretty cringe. And you know what? Things like this happen. The show business, it's... ESPN Plus, you know, ran broadcasted. So things happen. What I tell myself is that, you know what? Like, it's probably only the parents who are going to be seeing this uh, of the players. Those are the ones who are our most consistent viewers. Like, you know, no biggie. And you get a text from James, our buddy James. Dude, WTF. I just saw the shot. Like, what do you mean you just saw the shot? Like, am I missing something in the NBA? Like, he's like, no, the shot against Bucknell. I saw it on Twitter. I was like, oh, God, no. <laughs> so I, I, Bucknell Women's Basketball had tweeted a clip with our call on it. And thank goodness, it, this, is, this is karma or luck or whatever you want to call it. So the, our call is, you know, uh, Collins has the ball. She gets it to her right hand. She shoots and, like, rips the thing out. So it's just she <laughs> shoots. Ball goes in and like he, it's basically like he's letting it breathe, so it plays perfectly. You can't tell at all. I was terrified that there would be some <laughs> shrieking sound, or but anyways, very close to like an awful announcing uh, moment. But we swerved it. We got back up for overtime. Penn ended up coming away with the win, um, so it was a good affair. But my goodness, uh, broadcasting can be crazy sometimes. How about you? That's a, that's that's great. Oh, any Phillies fans like trying to downplay like oh, oh Trey Turner's contract is long eleven years. Twenty? Are you you really worried about twenty thirty two? Twenty thirty two? Do you like in twenty thirty two? I'll be 
37. I'm <laughs> like, like this is not a real uh, 2033 actually is not a real year to me. And also, just from a money aspect, people like the Bryce Harper contract is nuts. And then you compare it to Aaron Judge, who just got 40 mil a year. Aaron, uh, Bryce Harper is six months younger than Aaron Judge. They both have nine years left on their deal. Harper is making 13 mil less than Aaron Judge is. So that contract's already really good compared to what other people are going to pay stars the way the market dictates it. And in 11 years, 27 mil will be what probably 17 mil is today. Like, it's going to be tough to eat, but, like, that's, like, a couple mil more than D.D. Gregorius got last year. And Trey Turner is an incredible player. He's a great fit, perfect signing. And when you're coming off a 11-year playoff, 10-year playoff drought, and this is a chance to be a contender in the – MLB for the next four or five years as a top team. And then maybe you have some rough years when Turner and Harper are like 38. You do that trade all the time because you're a franchise that just got off a playoff route and you can not lock yourself in because baseball is wonky, but put yourself in a great position to be a contender for the foreseeable future. This is a great, it's been a great offseason for the Phillies. Um, you know what else is the difference between Bryce Harper and Aaron Judge is that Bryce Harper, unfortunately, does not get fed the MLB boosted up uh, Goldilocks balls, which um, there was there was a report. How does he not do that? I faded it for Pujols. I would have cheered it honestly because they probably Pujols, did. No, no, but they didn't say that they did. They only found it with the Yankees, like because Pujols would have gotten seven hundred if it wasn't for a pandemic year. So, like, but, like, doing that, like, Judge is probably annoyed about that. Like, Judge, not, Judge would have had, like, a great, wow, he had 55 home runs. What a great season. And now people are going to look, if this sticks, it might not stick. But it's people, oh, the year he was, was that good because he had juice balls? Like, without juice balls, probably for, like, 55. But, like, Judge is great. And also, for what it's worth, I say that's somewhat in jest because this report is done off of a study off of 200 baseballs, which is one game's worth, um, basically, or a little over what they usually would go through. Yeah, in but a game if you look two. at like sample size and statistics, there's a lot of times like stuff with small samples. Like when people do like political polls, they'll poll like 4,000 people, and that'll be like the country's uh, like opinion, and then it'll be like only wrong by like 2%. Matt. We really gonna go to political polls? They were good this cycle. Whatever, <laughs> whatever, whatever. Depending on, on like the traditional, you know, like NBC poll this year was like pretty accurate. Well, there you have it, folks. That's a great way to cap off the podcast. We got to get some more polls up. Always love when we get the polls up on social media. But that's all the time that we have here for this episode. Um, it was a great one, as always. Thank you again to the Up On Game Network. Go check them out wherever you find your podcast. You can also follow them on social media. For my guy, James Jackson, my guy, Stat Matt Robinson, I'm Jake Galley, and these have been the facts. Straight up. Infinity Presents, a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Anne Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Only in theaters this Friday. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes film.com to get tickets now. You deserve to treat yourself, so turn your tax refund into a U-Fund and give yourself a Straight Talk Wireless Extended Silver Unlimited plan and get a new Samsung Galaxy A14 on them. 
You can get a great everyday value on wireless with Straight Talk's unlimited plan starting at $25 a line per month for four lines. You'll save so much, you'll be enjoying that refund all year long. It's the refund that keeps on refunding. Find Straight Talk at straighttalk.com or at your local Walmart store. Taxes and fees not included. Offer valid through 41424 while supplies last. Online only. Must purchase a Straight Talk extended Silver Unlimited plan to qualify. Limit of five phones per customer. Family plan discount with four lines all on the Silver Unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount.